Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Hello and welcome to the Arts Hour here on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host today, David Lewis, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Here in the Arts Hour, we look at, we talk to uh, an art professional or artist to do a deep dive into the work that they do here in Mississippi. And today we have Kayla Fuentes with the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. She is the Director of Education and Outreach. She is also a Startville native. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being with us today. So tell us, Kayla, a little bit about who you are and what you do in Meridian at the Symphony Orchestra. Sure. So um, as you said, I'm Kayla Fuentes. And although you said Starkville native, not totally, totally true. Right. I, I moved there when I was about five years old. Okay. Um, and then I spent the majority of my childhood uh, in Mississippi. Um, I'm actually from Honduras. I was born there. And then al- although a lot of people think I might be an army brat, we actually traveled for my father's education. So we went from Honduras to England, where my dad did a math. And then we came back to the U.S. Uh, We spent some time in Iowa, where my mom is from. (laughs) And then after that, we moved to Mississippi. And my dad did his Ph.D. at at Mississippi State University. That's amazing. So... Talk about how did you get involved in the arts? So it was actually kind of an uphill battle for me. Uh, Arts in my house were always really prevalent, like the enjoyment of them, the appreciation factor. But as far as us being a uh, performer or a participator, it was a little more off limits. It was a little more taboo to my parents. Both my parents were raised on farms, uh, one in rural Iowa and one in a third world country in Honduras. And so um, there was a, a strong work ethic and for some reason, that work ethic um, just didn't didn't translate into the arts, or they didn't think that it could. And so um, I remember I remember my first audition. I actually sang, um, and one time my dad turned around to me when I was sitting in the back seat, and he was like, "This song just came out. How do you know the words? Because that's crazy." And I was like, "Dad, I I don't know the words. I'm just I'm humming the tune." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh." And he just turned around and he kept driving. And that was like uh-huh. the most we ever talked about my musical talents. <laughs> um, and then um, in eighth grade, actually seventh grade, um, I I got kind of got interested in, in theater. And because it was part of school, I could yeah. go and I could audition and yeah. I could, you know, go out for these parts. But I realized it was a, a musical. We were, <laughs> we, we were doing The King and I, Junior. Ah, yeah. mm-hmm. I remember it as right as rain because um, I got sent home with a, with a CD. And, oh yeah, yeah. And my parents were sick of it because I played it nonstop. Yeah, with your part. Like yes, you're... yeah. And then you just sing your part, right? And you just learn it from that. Yeah. And I'd never done it before, and so here I am, um, basically just screaming at the top of my lungs, feeling as if I'm doing a really, really good job. And um, I remember um, my mom getting sick of it a little bit. Not, not. <laughs> I think she would word it differently, but she got a little annoyed and said, "Hey, you know, if you want to keep doing that, could you either?" you know, take the tone down or, or take it outside. We lived in a neighborhood, by the way. So <laughs> to take it outside and, and let just everybody else deal it. with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
gosh. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen. Um, <laughs> so I was outside and I was sitting, we had this deck and I was sitting on the steps and I had my little portable uh, CD player and I'm sitting on the back steps and I'm just listening and like belting it at the yeah. top of my lungs. And I, I finally get to the audition day and I was so nervous. Like I'd never sung in front of anyone before. I'd never done any of that. And, um, so I, I did my part. I read my lines and they said, okay, thank you. Um, can you sing now? And oh, my heart sank. Yeah. And of course, everything I've practiced was just like, I didn't remember notes. Right. I didn't remember anything. <laughs> and I remember Miss Ferguson, she was actually an English teacher, but she was singing in auditions. And at the end of it, she goes, honey, where did that come from? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, because I, I really thought it was bad. Wow. Um, and that was like the first encouraging little piece of mm. of like, you know, like, you you know, you've yeah. got something. Yeah. Um, and I, nobody at home knew how to hone it. Nobody knew how to assist me. And and unfortunately, we were also kind of in a financial place where lessons and, yeah. and that extracurricular aspect that wasn't offered through schools or or, um, you know, through the city um, where there were nominal fees. It, it just wasn't. It wasn't an option for me to explore in depth. Yeah. Um, so I really took advantage of that show. And I had some really patient musical directors for that show who kind of walked me through different things because I, I got a small singing part. I became yeah. <laughs> apparently the King and I Jr. has a narrator and you're, oh, wow. you're looking at her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the narrator. Yeah, wow. exactly. Amazing. <laughs> so the narrator and um, she had a small singing part and um I remember that because my dad came, my, my mom had been hearing me the whole time. My dad traveled a lot for work and my dad came to that show and he sat in the back and afterwards he looked at me and he was like, oh, so do you sing now? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't Maybe. really think. And I was like, you know, just brush it on. Like, oh, it's nothing. It's, right. it's something I've been working on. It's fine. Um, and then from there, it just kind of became more like. I was always musical. I, I, I'd, I'd done some violin and viola. I started in third yeah, yeah. grade and that was fine. Cause that was through school, right? right? That was also provided through school. And so, um, by the time I got to high school, I wanted to audition for the high school choir. And, um, at that time my dad was living out of the country. And so my mom was kind of playing a, a single parent role almost. And, um, and I will never forget it. Miss Weeks, she came in to do auditions and she was like, sing something. And I was like, okay. So I sang my country tis of thee. And she was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to need you in the choir. Yeah. So I was really excited because we got our slips that day to take home to our parents saying that we'd made choir and some people just walked out without slips. It was like a bad episode of, <laughs> of American Idol. Um, so I'm like running out the door with the slip in my hand. Yeah, exactly. And I was really excited and I went home and, and, um, you know, I, I could tell that my mom, it wasn't that she was unsupportive, but she was just kind of like, you don't have time for that. Mm. You know, um, you play soccer, you already do the violin and viola, you already do all these other things. And it was more of a sense of, well, how is she going to get me to everything that I need to go to? And I have a brother and a sister, yeah. you know, and, and so I knew that that was like a tender balance for her. So I dropped it. I was like, you know what? You're right. I have so much to do. Um, and although I loved all the other things I, w I was in, I was I was pretty bummed about it. Yeah. Um, and then the the end of the summer's approaching. You're supposed to turn in your fee. You're supposed to you know send all this stuff in, and um, I didn't send any of it in, and I and I just let it go. And Miss Weeks found my my parents' number, and she called and wow. and she said, Hey, um, I haven't received Kayla's form yet or her fee for being in choir. And my mom sat there and explained. She said, You know, I just don't think she has the time for it. And um, Miss Weeks 
at that time. I'm sure you probably weren't really supposed to, so I don't want to get her in trouble. But, you know, she she did work out a fee thing. She offered yeah. rides. You know, wow. she said, whatever it takes, I really think that Kayla should be in choral, you know, in the, in the choir. And, um, and that was my first time where I realized that I beyond just having a little bit of talent that someone sought me out, yeah. um, gave me a lot of confirmation, a lot of, a lot of confidence in kind of what I, I think innately knew what I wanted, um, but was fighting because yeah. of, of the circumstances in which I, I came from. Yeah, that's quite powerful, the the way that those teachers have, have clearly made such an impact. If you're tuning in just now, uh, I am David Lewis, the Executive Director of the Arts Commission, here talking to Kayla Fuentes, who is the Director of Education and Outreach at the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. And Kayla is walking us through uh, how she came to the arts and and that journey that, as you just pointed out, stopped for a moment, but then a teacher intervened and saw potential in you, right? And Mm -hmm. so where did that carry you from that point? Oh my gosh. I I started, you know, people started kind of recognizing my voice and 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 seeking me out for parts, especially in the school plays. I did a little bit with with the community theater, but that was extracurricular and there was a lot of time that was wrapped up in that that I just didn't have. And so um I did a program in Starkville. It's called Summer Scholars. It's it's a life changing program. Um, Summer Scholars is where you write a show uh, so all the kids get together there's writers camp for one week and then there's three weeks of production so in that one week they write a show for anywhere between like 48 to 56 kids wow. that have equal parts <laughs> wow. and it's quite an experience and then they go through and they build the set and they they put it all on and it's a full musical it's like a it's like an hour and a half musical that's written by kids and they put it on and um at that show, I remember it was my first one. There was um, a woman and her name was Linda Karen Smith. And she used to teach at Mississippi State University and she had retired and she was just kind of piddling her time away. And um, she approached me after that show and she said, who are you taking lessons with? And I said, taking lessons with? I don't take lessons. Right. And she was like, well, you should be. And I was like, oh, yeah, tell my mom. Right. <laughs> yeah, go talk to go talk to Joan. Right. Um, and so she actually approached my mom and my mom was just kind of, you know, she, my mom's fighting this the right, whole way right. because I mean, it is a it's a it's a daunting slope to go yeah. down. Um, and so basically she offered me free lessons that kind of got me through high school. Wow. Prepped me between her and my choral director, Miss Weeks. They prepped me for college auditions Um auditioned at like eight, nine schools wow. to go into a classical voice. Oh, Linda Kieran also took me to my first opera ever. That Where was, was that? That was Carmen. It was being performed at, um, uh, I think it was UAB. Okay. And, um, it was a, you know, a smaller pared down production, but yeah. my goodness, like I heard it and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, the fire in my soul just yeah. kind of burned. And I was like, that is awesome. I, I'd never attempted anything like that. I was still wow. pop and musical theater and, and so, um, yeah, I started learning some leader and some Italian uh, song, art songs, and and um, I learned one aria, went to college, and used those three to audition at every college. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't know anything else that there was. And uh, I ended up at Mississippi College. Wow. And that was uh, Dr. Kristen Johnson Gunn, who was teaching me there. And I remember at one time, she was like, um, I was assisting her. And this is how little I knew about opera. There's a part of opera where it's called the recit or recitative. And it's kind of like a speaky part. And I didn't 
I didn't know that. I was just like, it's all opera. It's all you know? <laughs> yeah, it's all just, we're just doing our thing. And, um, and so she had me write it down. She was telling me, um, I was assisting her with some notes for a show and she was like, oh, that russet needs to be fixed. And I literally wrote down like russet potato <laughs> because I did, I had no, I had no idea. Right, right. Um, and so Dr. Kristen Gunn, you know, I just, I can't even begin to express the, the, the pivotal person she's been in my mm. life. Then she prepped me. And, um, after I graduated MC, I uh, went on to do a master's at Manhattan School of Music. Wow. And I studied under Mignon Dunn, who is beyond phenomenal. I mean, a powerhouse of a, of a music teacher. I'm getting chills. Um, and, and interesting enough, I'm actually back in Meridian doing what I do because of Dr. Kristen Chun. Really? Gun. Yeah. Why, why do you say that? Um, so, so, um, about a year and a half ago, my father passed away mm. and she's just always been such a great resource for me. And I wanted to come back to the South and she's got connects everywhere, but, uh, you know, mainly in the South, she's got a lot of deep roots yeah. and I just reached out to her and I said, you know, um, I, I feel a pull back home even before my father passed. I, I feel that I need yeah. to be back here. Um, but I don't want to be too close. Okay. Right. Like I, I want to be accessible, but not touchable. Right. Um, and so when I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, oh, you know, six, seven, eight hour drive would be totally acceptable right. for me, you know, somewhere in Florida, maybe somewhere Alabama, just at Texas, even whatever it was. And, um, and she laughed and she goes, actually, I have something that I think you would really love. And I think that this person would really love you. And I was like, okay. And she was like, but you're not going to like it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> why? She said, it's in Meridian, Mississippi. Oh. And I said, where's that? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just kidding. I knew where it was. Um, but I also didn't know that they had a symphony and I didn't know, like I was so ignorant to, to everything that was happening and the arts culture that it is. And, and she was like, no, just give it a shot. Just go and talk to her. And so I believe we started just talking. Yeah. The, the position hadn't even been made. Uh, it was not, you know, there was nothing really out and about. And, and I kind of just started talking to people. And then Cara and I started having conversation. And I think from that point in April until, um, I guess it was September of last year, um, we had been talking and then finally we came to the conclusion that we needed to be together. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, you're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Executive Director David Lewis interviewing here. Uh, Kayla Fuentes, the Director of Education and Outreach for the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. And we'll be right back after the break. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Arts Hour here on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host today, David Lewis, Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, here with Kayla Fuentes, the Director of Education and Outreach for the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. And Merid- uh, and Kayla has uh, just walked us through how she... Uh, who she is, where she's come from, and why she got into the arts. And then now we're just starting to get into what brought her to Meridian. So you said that uh, one of your very influential teachers talked to you about this role and and coming back home, but not too close home. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you said it wasn't even necessarily, the position wasn't even formalized, but you started a conversation. Can you pick up there and talk about what ended up bringing you all the way to Meridian to yeah. doing this role. Yeah, for sure. Um, so previous to living in Meridian, I was actually in New York for about nine years. I lived in the city. Um, I was teaching. Um, I had a private studio. You know, it's the New York hustle. I was working a lot of different things, some shows, just some odd-end jobs, um, trying to make life work. And um, part of part of my personal journey in this life uh, recently has really been about making sure that my purpose is, is more focused and and what that looks like. And, you know, being 30 years old, it's kind of hard to manage what that looks like. You know, you're, you're too young to just whittle away time and you're getting older. So you have to do something with your time. And, um, when I, when I first started the conversations, it was more about, well, let me just entertain um, you know, I, I had so much respect for for Kristen, for my for my teacher, and I said, "Let me just entertain what she is proposing. She yeah. knows me well. She's never led me astray. You know, and and if she thinks this could possibly be something, I'll listen. Yeah, and then I'll just move somewhere else right. and live somewhere <laughs> else. And um, I sat down with with Kara, the executive director of uh, Meridian Symphony, and from the moment I sat. And we started talking about it. There was just like in this intense passion. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm super passionate about things, too. And I'll say this. I'll preface it with I, I've spent my entire life running from educational things. Yeah. Um, as a, you know, I, I've gotten all of my degrees in performance opera. And so for me, I kind of had to decide what that meant because I didn't want to lose music. Um, but I was also growing tired of the games and the politics yeah. and, and performing and, and what that meant for me. And so where does that leave me in music? Mm. And a while back, I had also decided that as a performer, I am also an educator. Anytime yeah. I step out on a stage, anytime I engage with the community, I am, I am a resource and I am a educator. Right. Um, but to sit down and say, okay, now I'm going to be an educator. Right. Felt very finite, mm. um, felt very career defining. And so, although I was looking into similar positions, um, it was, it was something that my life's kind of been wheeling back around to constantly. Uh, anytime I'm, I'm, you know, performing, everybody comes up to me and they're like, Oh, Hey, I've got this performance opportunity, but I know you're not gonna love it. It's education. And you know, it's an outreach thing. And and I liked them, but I just hated how much I liked them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I fought it so hard. And so, um, when Cara and I sat down and talked, you know, she just knew she needed help. You know, she's got this big organization that she's been building steadily over the past three and a half years when we met. And what, what does that look like? What, what do we need to do? And what she really needed was some, 
another facet to reach out into the community and start building up our educational programs. Um, anybody who does good business and anybody who cares about their communities knows that the children are the foundation of it. Yeah. And so for me, I really understood that. And I showed to her a lot of my education passions, but in my heart, I was still conflicted about taking that role. And so we started talking and, and she just, oh man, I I wish I could remember everything that she said to me, but it basically came down to, I'm trying to build something and it is legacy driven, not just for me, but for Meridian. And it is for the kids and it is for everyone here. And I need help doing that. And I thought, "Mm, I don't know if I could be the right person for that, but I can relate to that. Yeah. And I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And so we started talking and um, she reached out to me again and she said, hey, why don't you write your position title and everything and just <laughs> tell me what that would look like for you and, and just know that it could morph. You know, yeah. we are a staff of two. Right. <laughs> we are very, we are tiny and mighty at the same time. And um, and so I sat there and I kind of mulled over it because I really wanted to be true to me. Like you, you have this tendency when people give it to you that you want to give them what they want to hear. Right. I, I wanted to give her what she wanted to hear within the realms of what I could offer. Um, so I did two things. I wrote things that I was already very, very good at, things that I thought I was um, willing to offer right off the bat. And I included them in, in, the, in the description as well. And then on top of that, I was very transparent. And I said, I've added some things in here where I know I need you know, help with, I know that I need to expand with nonprofit. Although I've, I've done contract work, I've never full been a full-time employee of a nonprofit. Right. And, and it really does. I mean, it, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm a super malleable person, so it wasn't, it wasn't that far fetched for me to take this leap, but it was a different perspective on things. And, um, and so I j- basically just told her, you know, this is, this is stuff that I really need help growing with. And I think you could offer me that. I think that that's, that's the growth and that's where the mutual, you know, symbiotic relationship can come from. And so, um, it took, took quite a while. And, and now that I'm here, I know the backstory of, uh, you know, just, I think Mississippi as a culture in general, we have a lot of, um, hesitancy for change. Mm, Um, and you know, the symphony had been working just fine for so long and we're just fine. And we're fine. Right. And like, how long can someone be fine? And so that was the, 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 I think the thought that Kara kept pushing was like, we need to change. We need yeah. to evolve. And um, and so when I got brought on board, it was really cool because, I mean, we'd, we'd had outreach before with the previous ED, but it was all wrapped up into one. Again, we were just fine. We were making it happen. And I think that that, that was a great uh, a great foundation for it. Uh, but But things needed to take a level up. Um, and so coming from New York to back to Mississippi, I really had to take stock of, I have all these ideas, which ones can I actually use here? Which yeah. ones can I actually implement? Um, the, the organization as a whole before I'd come had actually thrived through COVID. So um, I'd done my research on it and it, upon what Carr had told me as well. Um, we were one of the only organizations in Meridian that actually flourished through that time period. And that was because of Cara and our board at the time who was willing to take a step and say, Hey, look, like we've got this programming, it's happening, you know, no matter what it's got to happen, but we have to make sure that it's still accessible. Right. And we have to make sure that it gets to the people who need it. And so, um, 
basically our our people of Meridian stepped up and they started, you know, offering money. And they always do. They always do. But Meridian is like <laughs> Like low key, like we'll always step up when it comes to like fundraising. Yes. Yeah. Well, quickly, if, yep. if you're just now tuning in, uh, I'm David Lewis. I'm your host today at the Arts Hour. We're talking to Kayla Fuentes, who is the director of education and outreach for the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. Kayla, Kayla is walking us through right now um, what got her into this role and what does the role look like, right? So you said that the organization really thrived through COVID mm-hmm. and because the mandate to provide this program in the manner that it was going to be. Yeah. So what what is your role? So you came into this role. Now, what what is the type of programming that you have? So right now, um, we're still building. Um, you know, as I said, change does not come easy. Um, our main focus this past year since I've come in has been really building a relationship and a core relationship with a lot of administration yeah. within our school district. Um, that's where it starts. And sometimes those are the hardest relationships to build. And, and also to show people that, that they need it yeah. just as much as I want to give it, they need it. And it's vital. It's vital for our schools, especially because in Meridian, no matter how culturally arts we are, no matter how much money we pour into it, no matter all of those things, people are not seeing that we are not getting the same funding for schools to have these arts positions open. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen two positions that have been dropped since last year, people who left and not refilled. So that becomes more of a panic for Cara and I because we sit there and we say, okay, now there's becoming a a bigger gap. Mm -hmm. Now there's becoming a bigger need for us. And we either have to step up or figure out how to fill that gap. Like yeah. we, we have to, it's no longer an option because at first they were getting some at school. They were getting this and that. That's great. Okay. But now not many are getting anything. Right. And so we had to sit down and we had to talk about what that looks like. And, and honestly, in order to make moves in a lot of different circumstances, it's all about connections yeah. and me coming back from New York, um, having to re-speak Mississippi <laughs> has right. been has been a little bit of a challenge. You know, I mean, New York is, is definitely not the same. So again, building those relationships, we're at more fairs than we ever have been before. Um, we, we have about a 25% uptick in outreach and educational events that we offer. Um, we, um, we are actually talking about some things moving forward that... I'm hesitant to mention right now, but hopefully you'll have me back again and we can talk about those in depth too. Absolutely. <laughs> but we've got, we've got a lot of things that are just moving in a direction of filling a gap and providing resources and doing things that we can do and do them well, which is Cara's motto through and through. What can we do and how do we do it well? Right. Um, one of my favorite programs that was already actually established before I actually came to Meridian and started with MSO is our Healing Harmonies program. One of my favorite programs Um, in New York, you don't even think twice about it. You know, music therapy and the arts being prevalent amongst the sick or um, the disabled or special needs. All of that is thoroughly covered. And then I came here and Carl was like, you know, I'm really proud of this program um, that that we started. And we have a music therapist, one of only two. They're board certified here in Mississippi. And we have her and she works with our Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And we work in nursing homes. We're hoping to break off into oncology and eventually pediatrics. And it was so profound to me, the amount of people who were in awe 
of this resource. This is not something that's offered in Mississippi. This is not something that's easily accessible. And it's definitely not offered for free. Right. Um, and so that was that was a huge thing for me when I came on as well, is that that one and continuing that and what it looks like and the growth of it is yeah. so important to me. Yeah. Um, so the education programs that existed, I am currently sustaining and evolving. Right. And then all of the other ones are taking time to build. Well, that's really exciting. So you're working right now to to lay some groundwork, right? Right. In some areas. Mm -hmm. Although you may not be able to tell us about the specific (laughs) programs, what are the topics they cover? Yeah. So more, more arts education in schools, um, particularly when it comes to strings. Um, We are an orchestra that is a higher orchestra. So we bring in all of our, our musicians whenever we need them. And we have six main stage shows a year. So we pay them to come and travel to us and play for us six times a year. And to me, again, with Meridian being so, so artistically talented and and the, the vast amount of people that have come from Meridian, you know, that are musically talented and have a huge impact on the music industry. Um, we, we, it's the value is, is losing in the, in the younger generations. And so, um, Right now, we're really focusing on how to get more strings and more of those resources into our schools or offer it as an organization to our community. Yeah. Um, and how that looks like, it, it can vary. It's, I mean, it's it's a revolving door. So we're going to throw as many things at a wall and see what works. And, um, and hopefully something will stick. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to the Arts Hour. We've had a wonderful conversation today. I am your host today, David Lewis, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and we have Kayla Fuentes, the Director of Education and Outreach for the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. Kayla was just talking to us about what she does in that role as it relates to arts integration or arts education in the classroom, often the the types of programming that she's developing. So, but one of, you know, Mac's focuses is arts integration through our whole schools program. So we're very adamant believers in that. And you and I have had a, some light conversation about it, but do you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about, you know, the importance of artist integration in the classroom and, and opportunities for that to happen? Yeah. Um, I, first of all, I, I'm, a huge supporter of arts integration. Um, I hate to keep referencing New York, but in New York, it's kind of like, it's just second nature. It's mm. not something that a lot of schools have to think about. It's already kind of built in to a lot of the curriculum. Um, there's also a, a 
ridiculous amount of support for, you know, programs that want to come in and educate and use arts to do that. Um, and here in the South, there is, you know, as a state, we face the idea of our test scores that are dropping. Um, we need good test scores. We need to be better matched to the rest of the U.S. with all of that. And within that, we have also then said now, because we have to focus so heavily on these things, there's not a place for a lot of the arts. There's just, there's not enough time in the day. There's not enough, right. there's not enough um, resources and there's not this and that. Um, and to me, I, I would, I would definitely say, I feel, I, I feel like somebody's just telling me excuse after excuse. Yeah. Um, we have so many studies. I mean, if you pick up any, any musical study book, that's clinical studies, you can see how impactful it is, especially on developing minds. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching in New York, uh, I had some kids with some learning disabilities and I loved teaching them because we would actually do an integrative lesson where we would do uh, music for 15, break for five, homework for 30, and then additional 15 music at the end. And whatever we were singing, whatever we were doing was working into what they were doing for their homework that day. Right. And the parents had so much to say about it. And this was just something like, I mean, at the time I'd read some studies, I knew that it worked. I didn't know all the ins and outs of it, but right. I was, you know, versed on, I mean, it's impactful for me Yeah, and it's so important to the developing brain, yeah. you know? Um, that's when I also went and got kinder music certified and yeah. I started down this path of how, how well does this integrate into what we do and how impactful can it be? Yeah. And so um, within all of that, then when I came here and I saw how we've got teachers, like I said, just dropping like flies, you know, people get better opportunities and they leave and rightfully so. I mean, you're supposed to move up that ladder and you're also supposed to be somewhere, hopefully where you've got a supportive administration and a lot of the arts teachers don't have that. And so with limited resources and limited help from higher ups, what you get is a program that's almost stressful more than productive. Yeah. And so if if it is such a big deal to keep music and arts in school, then why don't we turn it on its head? Yeah. Why don't why don't we then say now all of these other teachers are are almost responsible to bring it back into the classrooms and it does not have to be astronomically hard, you right. know. We don't have to offer it in a way that we say, "Hey, I I I'm going to give this to you. This is not making your job any harder. Cause yeah. a lot of teachers will, will approach me and just say, Oh no, I'm already, I'm already yeah. fully loaded. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I just was at the, uh, our, our whole school's Institute summer Institute and I, I know you couldn't make it. <laughs> so we'll get you there sorry. next time. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I was really amazed by when I was listening to this is the way that I was even hearing other teachers who were interested in this program, maybe bringing it to their schools. They were just, in awe of the fact that like it doesn't really take that much to incorporate it. Yes. It's like there sometimes teachers are already doing it. And yeah. so it's like a matter of really taking the standards and applying them to the classroom and just realizing that, oh, if I took this additional tiny step mm -hmm. of, you know, doing this exercise in this way, instead of doing a coloring sheet, you do uh, a cut paper out and put it, make it into a pattern. Yes. Like it's just like these tiny little things. Just and, modifications. Right. It's just modifications. And and I think it's so Amazing, and and I hope it encourages teachers out there to realize that it's so much within their reach, and and it can be such a powerful tool. And they were even talking about ways. I think in the classroom, a lot of teachers are seeing, and a lot of administrators are seeing, just kids are so kind of 
kind of apathy. They're just not yes. excited about school. Oh, anymore. yeah. How do we get that? And this is such a powerful way mm-hmm. to get them excited, yeah. but also to meet them with a new la- layer of, of curriculum and standards that enriches their experience and makes them, you know, it, it helps the developing brain. It's like, yes. checks all these boxes. Like, exactly. this is all a win. What are we doing? Yeah. And we're forced so often, like, look at the science. Right. Well, look at the science. I, I mean, there there is a lot behind it. And I know... I know that it can feel challenging and overwhelming because right. a lot of the the best school teachers are some of our the ones that have been there for forever. Like and, they're they're in this game. And they, and they have been putting everything into e- it. Everything. And then we're sitting there and we're saying you're everything even though that's not what we're saying. What they hear is your everything is not enough. Mm. You know, your everything is, you know, you're not changing with the times. Right. You got to get more hip. You should do yeah. this. And so what? whenever I have a conversation with a teacher about any sort of integrative things that I want to do, I always say, okay, I need you to clear your mind. I need you to clear all preconceptions of, right. of anything that I might offer you. And I'm going to say something. And I want, you, I want your genuine opinion. And when I ask that and they do take a moment, I find that they are more susceptible because mm-hmm. there's so often that they come in very defensive. Yeah. Well, how is it really going to help? Well, what can it do? Sure. You want studies? Boom, 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 boom. Right. There it is. You want, you want facts? No problem. Right. I've got those too. It, all it does. And, and I think it's great for our adults too, because I mean, music is not, I mean, the developing brain, yes, astronomically beneficial, but to our adults, you know, sustaining happiness. Yeah. And that's why our healing harmonies is so important. Like, I mean, even in adults and, and oncology patients, like right. you're talking about music can take away pain. What? Yeah. You know, like the, these are across the board, crazy, crazy things that are happening with music. Yeah. And not only you, like, you don't have to play it. To get the benefits right. of it. I mean, if you did play, great. You're a little level up. Awesome. Right. But you don't have to do that. And like to know that music and the arts is actually so extremely accessible. Yeah. And there's so many people doing it. I mean, like this is the, you know, if you're listening, you're a teacher, and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I even do this? There are organizations like the Meridian Symphony Orchestra just resources. chomping at the bits with plenty of resources and opportunities yeah. to plug in and mm-hmm. and just reach out and connect. We're a great agency to help connect you to yes. that. And I think that's so powerful. Well, if you're just now tuning in, you're listening to uh, the Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. We are here with Kayla Fuentes with the Meridian Symphony Orchestra talking about education and outreach. Well, Kayla, let's talk a little bit before we run out of time here Uh today about the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. When I was able to visit a couple of weeks ago or a month or so ago, I was so wonderfully welcomed by you and so many others, Um, but there's so much happening in Meridian and and a lot of it, as I've heard, centers around what is new and happening with the Symphony Orchestra. So can you talk to us about what has happened over the past couple of years with the symphony and, and the work that is being done. Well, first of all, I'm blushing on behalf of Kara and myself. <laughs> um, yeah, we have made, and Kara in particular, very huge strides. Um, our objective in each season is how do we become more diverse? And that does not mean that does not mean ethnicity. That does not mean age. That does not mean any of that. That means it's everything, right? How do we become diverse on every level and accessible as well? Right. Um, and you know, people hear orchestra. And half the time when I say, oh, I work for the Meridian Symphony Orchestra, people take a step back and they're like, um, (laughs) I've never done that. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. Because we actually have something that you probably would enjoy. Right. Um, We offer six main stage um, shows per season. And it's a phenomenal 
phenomenal gambit of stuff. We we try to make sure that we have our classics that really hone into the people who are just so enthralled about that classical music. Um, but that's not everybody, right. you know, and it, even me sometimes, I'll be honest, I'll say I'm not in the mood for sitting down and listening to a, a piano concerto right now. That's okay. Then I've got something else for myself, right? right. So we've got our Pops concerts. Um, I will say for this season in general, um, it's called Roots, Riffs, and Roguery. Look at that. I know. We're all about alliteration here. <laughs> um, so our Roots, Riffs, and Roguery for this 2023-2024 season actually kicks off in September. Cool. And um, this this whole process has evolved, especially since Kara has come into office, because when we first started, we were offering minimal things. Um, you know, basically just kind of building off of what was already there. So we had our main stage and our main stage was kind of where it sat. And, yeah. you know, occasionally we would offer a outreach event or two. And then we started seeing what the populace was for our concerts. And it was a little disappointing. Yeah. Um, and also as an organization, uh, we, we have to evolve, you know, and that's not just for the betterment of, you know, the money aspect of it. Like that's, that's a factor as well. But the biggest aspect is because we are charged with being stewards of our community as yeah. a nonprofit. And that to me weighs heavy because yeah. if we are stewards of our community, then that means we are speaking to a community, not just a part. And you reflect that community. Of the com exactly. Yeah. And so I think, um, I have to say uh, our last season was really special, but this season is wow to me. So, so I'm, give us a taste. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna run you through the season. If I'm that's so okay. excited. And tell us like because I know too you do them in different places. So like yeah. your main stage is at the Riley Center, yes, right? The Riley Center hosts all of our six main stage. So we'll go over those. And so September 30th is our first one, and that one's gonna actually be one of our classicals. It's called a Symphony of Brilliance, and that is with Chi Yun, and she's gonna be doing a violin solo. It's gonna be wow. beautiful. She is a phenomenal violinist and we're really excited to have her um the second one that we're having is actually a symphony of illusion Ooh. yeah and this one is october 28th so it's kind of our halloween special okay if you will and this one is um it has the magic he's an illusionist that's joining us from california his wow. name is michael granadetti an and illusionist and the symphony yes it's the, it's the first time we've ever done it and <laughs> we've had to modify it because of course you know he's used to working on different stages but right. this is probably one of the smaller ones he's had to be on so he's modifying it for us but like you'll see hopefully a woman cut in half wow um you know there's going to be all kinds of illusion and magic up his sleeve and we're really excited for him because he is phenomenal to watch and enticing i should say um our third one for this season is going to be our traditional peppermint pops this is one of our most famous and one of our most well attended it's a family event we're going to bring in the usm brass um uh, ensemble and with the our meridian symphony chorus as well so we have a volunteer chorus and we highlight them at the show. And that one is a symphony of the seasons. It's going to be beautifully magical for the holiday Where is that season. Gonna be? That's at the Riley Center okay, as cool. well. Yeah, we host all six of these at the Riley Center. Um, and then, oh, that's December 2nd of okay. 2023. And then this one I'm really excited about because this is one of the educational out, uh, you know, outreach ones that that we've been trying to incorporate and in how to how to do it with our season. And so this one is our winter classical and it's a symphony of opera. 
So, Ah. yes, uh uh-huh. On this one, it'll feature John Christopher Adams, me, myself, (gasps) Kayla Fuentes. Yes, I will be. And uh, Kristen Gunn, my my uh, former professor. And then one of the professors out at uh, Mississippi College, Mandy uh, Spivak Perna. And so we're really excited to have that. But the most important part of this one is that we're going to be offering an opera week. We are going to be inviting um, colleges from around the surrounding areas. There's a few colleges that have classical music particular in their curriculums, but a lot of them don't. And so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to drum up a basically like a four day weekend leading into the concert and the concert being a part of all of that. So we'll have performing guest artists for different classes. We'll have different classes on how to break into industry, how to um, do your resume for music, how to uh, get on the right rosters for auditioning. You know, we're going to be covering stuff that is not always accessible to us, uh, you know, in our school day-to-day lives. That's cool. So that's going to be really exciting. That's that's kind of my my wheelhouse. So I'm I'm happy about that. Um, then Monday, May fifth. Uh, no, not May. April fifteenth <laughs> of twenty twenty four. So next year we have our orchestra, and this is our family concert. How fun! It's so cute. And this one is the composer is dead. It's a symphony uh-huh. of mystery. Whoa! So this one. Um, oh my gosh! I when I tell you we brought in a troop from Alabama, and they are the most fun to work with they have actually done this show before and we are so excited to host them because it's captivating okay captivating for all ages um when i saw it performed i mean car and i literally couldn't take our eyes away we were we were laughing we were intensely involved in the whole show so <laughs> it's going to be a great one um and then we also have our traditional uh beethoven and blue jeans and that's going to be a symphony of rogues may the fourth be with you oh so the- <laughs> That's going to yes. feature one of our um, our returning guest artists, Timothy McAllister, on the saxophone. So he's going to be coming, and um, we have a traditional barbecue that we have. We announce our new season, so everybody can see our 2024, yeah. 2025, and uh, it's a big whoop-de-doo. Then... Part of my favorite, okay? I got time here? Yeah. Okay. So uh, part of my favorite is the Untucked series that Kara has created. This series, talking about reaching into our community. So if if there's nothing in that first half that enticed you, there's... I mean... It was already pretty enticing, but I'm talking to our our listeners. Right, right, that's true. Not not just me. Right. So if there's nothing that enticed you in that in those six shows, then our Untucked series really brings us off that main stage, and that's really important for us because the Riley Center, um, it, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, and it's intimidating for many. Yeah. Um, the theater experience is actually very intimidating. You know, I I was talking to someone the other day about um coming to an event, and he said, "Oh, I don't think I have clothes." for that oh wow yeah and i said well i'm pretty sure you do you're wearing something now right you know and and that's good enough i mean i, I think i always challenge my the the patrons to think about it doesn't matter how other people around you are dressing right it matters about you being able to have an experience right and that's what matters right. so if what you're going to wear to it is jeans and a t-shirt then we welcome you yeah. and we want you there um to experience that and if you feel like ele- elevating your style later on then hey that's on you um, Untuxed series uh, starts off with a night at the Soule. So it's a night of soul at the Soule. And this one is the music of Motown, in particular, the Ruffin Brothers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's because 
Ruffin yep. is from Meridian, Mississippi. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be highlighting a lot of his music. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the Soule is actually um, a, like the the um, Steamworks uh, Museum. And we've got a few other ones as well. We've got uh, Espresso and Prosecco. That's going to be really nice. It's going to be at a local venue as well. And then we've got two right now that do not have uh, venues, but all in the works. Um, and we're really excited. This is incredible, Kayla. The work that uh, you guys are doing is pretty remarkable. Thank you for speaking with us. Um, I'm just so impressed by your ability, like you said, to be able to get out into the community to find new venues that you're going to bring symphony music into. Um, For those of you who've been listening, thank you for uh, tuning in. I've been your host, David Lewis. I'm your executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, and we have had Kayla here from the Meridian Symphony Orchestra. She is the director of of Education and Outreach. Um, Kayla, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Where can listeners find out more information about the Meridian Symphony Orchestra? Yeah, if they want more information uh, about us, they can go to www.meridiansp.com. O.org, and they can also call us at the office at 601-693-2224. I think plenty of people are going to be tuning into all of these things this year because they are mysterious and illusionist. I don't know. <laughs> but thank it you is. so much for being here with us today. Thank you, David. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. 